0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at preceptministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's Word to your community. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two-day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79 and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office. Coming up on March 4th to 8th at the Precept Canada Training Center in Brantford, we will be hosting our study program called Rebuilding the Temple. Join us as we study through the Precept Upon Precept study on Ezra and Haggai and experience what it is like when God places His hand on the lives of His people to prove He is the promise-keeping God. Each day of the study program, we will begin with a time of prayer, have a discussion based on the lesson, and a video lecture. For more information and to register for any of these workshops, head over to our website at www.preceptministries.ca or give us a call at 877-234-2030. Now stay tuned for episode three of the Covenant Podcast.
1: Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here with Derek Kamink and it is Unlocking the Truth Podcast and our focus is on covenant. I'm so encouraged by the number of covenant precept upon precept books that are leaving the building yeah. for people to be studying along with us mm-hmm. because that's really our hope you know is that people do the homework and study along and then use this as a, a supplemental teaching right. or a discussion to to bring it all together and not just kind of simply just learn from us but, yeah, right you know get get into the word themselves so uh, let me pray And uh, then I wanted to share a quick analogy with you, because that's what pastors do. That's right. They share analogies. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you. We pray that as we uh, look at uh, covenant and the topic this week, that uh, you'd bless the conversation we have. We pray for the listeners out there who are uh, tuning in on the internet, maybe in their drive or at their workplace, that uh, this session of Unlocking the Truth would be an encouraging one as we talk about your son, Jesus. So uh, we give it all to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Derek, I'm an 80s kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up, um, well, I was born in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Maybe somebody tries to steal my identity. Or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm an 80s kid. So in the 80s. Uh, how old were you in the
2: 80s? Well, I was born in 82. I don't have a problem saying that.
1: Okay, so you, <laughs> Just don't, a remember, baby. you don't remember much of the 80s. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, in the 80s, there was a couple of really big things going on mm. uh, that I really appreciated. One, the greatest, if you're listening right now and you disagree with me, you need to email me. The greatest Superman ever was Christopher Reeve, sure. and he still is the greatest sure. Superman. Uh he had some big movies mm-hmm. come out, and I love I love Superman. Um, I still wear Superman outfits, not the full costume, <laughs> just the T-shirts and stuff, but uh, Superman is big, and uh, the other was Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to listen to Michael Jackson, probably still listen to Michael Jackson a little, yeah. but uh, he came out with an album, and uh, the album was called Thriller, mm-hmm. and... Uh, a lot of times you hear it at Halloween, but uh, one of the things that happened is funny. My my wife Jessica and my brother-in-law Chris uh, used to act out the thriller they video dance. in yeah. their basement. uh, We should get a video online of that. We should, yeah. And my wife actually bought me a Nintendo game that was Michael Jackson, so I could dance along with (laughs) it, yeah. But anyway, Thriller was a really popular song in the 80s, and uh, there was a video, and Michael Jackson, when he made these videos, they were really like movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody waited for them to come out because you never knew. Like, he was was breaking barriers when it came to music. And so the Thriller video was... uh, more of like a Halloweenish right. type video. But one of the things that helped me really uh, remember that was Michael Jackson, when he came on the video, he was this, uh, like, no-confidence guy mm-hmm. walking down the street. It was all dark and scary-looking. And um, it looked like probably, I don't know if they were zombies or whatever the case may be, but these yeah. people started coming up out of the ground and, you know... They end up dancing with them, so it could have been that bad. But anyway, what he did was um, to get confidence and to change um, a little bit of his identity. You know, like to get he he put on this red jacket, and I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted that red jacket. And then he also put on uh, the white glove. Mm -hmm. You know, the white glowing glove, and all of a sudden, he he completely changed into. A completely different person, a person with great confidence that, you know, when he kicked his foot and threw his hand in the air, um, he made all these people do exactly what he wanted them to do. So there was a massive identity change. Mm -hmm. It also reminded me of Superman. Yeah. Clark Kent was the mild-mannered reporter when he needed to, when he took his glasses off and he threw his suit to the ground. Mm -hmm. He was the um, strongest guy, yeah. he was Superman, yeah. save the world kind of guy. So it was a really exciting opportunity for uh, me as a kid to see two ideas of identity
2: change. Right. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, when I think of identity, I think of identifying how we identify ourselves and how we identify with others. And, and one of the big ones for me in my life is, um, well, is clothing. I think people a lot of times will identify um, who they are with with what they wear? Um, for me one of the biggest things now if you live in southern Ontario, you might uh, you might not know what I'm talking about But there is a, a football league in Canada uh, The CFL and my team is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, when I go to a game in Regina And uh, I go wear my my green Rough Rider Jersey <clears throat> I am surrounded by 35 to 40,000 other people who are wearing the same thing and we identify together. In that moment, we are all identifying as, as Rough Rider fans and we identify with each other. And I, I, know, I know how they feel. I, I, I've experienced the, the highs and mostly the lows of what it is to be a, a Rough Rider fan. And so we can identify with each other. Um, and when we're, when we're in a different city and we're going to a game and we see other people Wearing rider gear, uh, you know, we make eye contact, we smile, we we high five. I don't know them, um, but we can identify with each other um, by by just the things that we're wearing. It's like runners,
1: and you know who else does that too? If you're you ever, you ever notice people who ride motorcycles? Yeah, yeah, they always they wave. Always nod yeah. and wave. Like yeah. it, it's like the sign of you know, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, you paint your face? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you're all in, yeah. So I want to take us to a text today because we've been working through covenant, mm-hmm. and, and we will for the next um, a number of weeks. And First uh, uh, Samuel or Second Samuel, chapter eighteen. First. First uh, Samuel, yeah. So let me. Uh, we'll edit that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to take us to a text today, First Samuel, chapter uh, eighteen, and uh, this is a, a story. Uh, from the Bible concerning two people, and that is Jonathan and David. And so, uh, follow along with me if you can. If you're driving, uh, remember hands free. Don't <laughs> don't pull out your Bible. You can check out when you get home. But uh, chapter 18, verse 1 says, "Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul, this he that we're referring to is David. Mm-hmm. When David finished speaking to Saul." Uh, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. So, Derek, just quickly tell the listeners who Jonathan was. What's the relationship here between Saul, David, and Jonathan?
2: Sure, we we can identify the the major players here. So Saul is, uh, at this point, the anointed king of Israel, Um, and uh, and David uh, has been taken in, uh, into his court, um, he's, he's slain Goliath, uh, he has been anointed by Samuel, um, but he's also um, being brought in now. Um, Saul's bringing him into his, to his court, into his palace, to be a part of um, his kingdom, and Jonathan is Saul's son.
1: Right, so now that we know where we are and what's going on, verse 2 says, Saul took him that day And did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered and Saul sent him over the men of war. It was pleasing in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So we've got some uh, key words that we're going to look at here. Mm-hmm. And the first one comes right from the very fact of the topic that we're studying. And that is a covenant. Mm-hmm. So why don't you, Derek, just remind people, if this is the first time they're listening, what it was uh, or what is a covenant?
2: Yeah. So if, if we look at that word uh, covenant, we see it in, in both Hebrew and Greek in the scriptures. Um and in, in Hebrew, it was a pledge or an agreement or a compact made by the passing between pieces of flesh. Um, and we see the example of that in the uh, covenant that God makes with Abraham. And in Greek, it's a, a, a disposition or a contract or um, also a testament or a covenant. So it's, it's this solemn binding agreement between two parties.
1: Right. And last week when we were our last time we were together and we were learning that there was different ways Covenant was initiated by God to man. Covenant was initiated between man and man. Mm -hmm. And we saw signs of the covenant, which were sacrifices, oaths or promises that were made, and even uh, breaking bread together. Mm -hmm. And so now here we have Jonathan making a covenant. This covenant that Jonathan is now making with David, I mean, the first thing we need to look at is what is it based on? Mm -hmm. The covenant that is being made here. So what what is the base of this
2: covenant? Well, we can see just in, in these um, in these verses, we see this, um, it's an interesting picture of the souls being knit together, Jonathan and David, their soul being knit together. And it says that, um, uh, that Jonathan loved David as himself. So we have a covenant here being made. Uh, it's a man-to-man covenant. We looked at a few of those um, last time, uh, but those were covenants where, um, you know, someone needed something from someone else or was scared of being harmed by someone else. And so the covenant was made um, in order to, uh, it, it was out of self-preservation, where this one is different. This one is made out of, um, out of a love and a friendship between these two men.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You know, in this day and age, in the culture that we live in, People are taking these first verses and the what's happening between Jonathan and David, mm-hmm. and they are warping it to an agenda that's trying to become very strong in this yeah. day and age. But what we're learning here is that there was this love for each other and a respect for each mm-hmm. other uh, that the covenant was based on. This is not this uh, you know Greek eros or erotic love right. that was happening. This is this love. Uh, brotherly love that was coming coming out of this and so the covenant is made and let's look how the covenant is made Mm -hmm. Uh, we've seen okay we saw god that made a covenant with noah he made a covenant with him to build an ark and the promise of never having that happen again the sign was rainbow Mm -hmm. we saw that god made a covenant with abraham and he walked between the two pieces of flesh knowing that he was going to, you know, bind and keep and hold the covenant. Here, it's different. Mm-hmm. Jonathan uh, removes his clothing. Mm-hmm. and Now, let's be careful here, <laughs> because what you've got is he removes his robe. He also removes his armor, yeah. his uh, sword, his bow, and his belt. So if we were to just, if we were to close our eyes and mm-hmm. think about what he's done, he's Remove this royal robe, why because he's the prince, yeah. And he had probably most soldiers would ke- wear a chest protector, yeah. He's taken that off, yeah. Uh, a belt which would hold the sword, right? He took that off and gave it to David, and then he gave him actually the weapons, yeah. So, everything that. Uh, Jonathan was wearing for the purpose of protection, mm-hmm. he's removed it and given it to David. Yeah. Isn't that uh, interesting?
2: It is. And it's, it's different from other covenants because it doesn't look like other covenants. There isn't this, this long sort of list of here's what I'm going to do for you and here's what you're going to do for me and here's how we're going to work together. Um, all of these acts, as we're going to talk about today and we're going to talk about next time, are all a symbols of those covenant promises between Jonathan and David.
1: You know, one of the interesting things is that, um, you know, when you're at a distance Mm -hmm. and, uh, everybody wears the same things. So you can't tell the difference between the people that are wearing the same things. Right. So uh, we have running just a few weeks ago, we had a running group that was out on a Saturday morning and we could see some runners off in the distance and uh, red jackets, uh, black pants, and, and black hats. And yeah. so we started to um, think, as our group, we were looking to the runners ahead of us going, I wonder if that's Dave, and I wonder if that's, you know, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And as we started to run faster and try to catch up to them, we ended up realizing that it was really uh, two women, uh, Wendy and Michelle, yeah. but from a distance... They actually looked yeah. like the other people. Now think about David and Jonathan. As Jonathan takes off the robe, mm-hmm. he puts it on David. Yeah. He gives him all of the the uh, the sword, the the belt, and everything that he needed. Now, who does he look like?
2: Yeah, he's he's looking a lot like Jonathan. He
1: looks like Jonathan. Yeah. So. This is very symbolic, and the term that we'll use, and we'll use this term as we continue through covenant all the way, is that two become one. Mm -hmm. It seems that Jonathan, when he took off his uh, robe and took off the armor, including the sword, the bow, and the belt, he gave it to him as bringing two together as one,
2: as now sharing the same Mm -hmm. identity. Right, so no longer is... Or Jonathan's identity is now always going to be tied to David and, and vice versa.
1: Right. So now think about this and hang on to this thought of sharing identity or two becoming one. Mm-hmm. Two separate entities now being one uh, person. We have to bring that to the New Testament. Right. And we want to look at the New Testament and how is it um, and how does this relate between believers and Jesus Christ, this mm-hmm. whole idea of two becoming one. Mm-hmm. So we want to look at Galatians. And Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. And so what it says in Galatians 3:26 to 29, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have what? Clothed yourselves. Clothed yourselves with Christ. Neither uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. So there's some connectors here, dear. Mm-hmm. There's there's things that occur that help us to now identify as
2: Christ. Mm-hmm. To become one. What is one of those identifiers? Well, you see, in in baptism, um, that you are sons through faith in Christ Jesus. So there's there's that component of, of faith. If we have faith, then we are sons. Um, and then, for all who are baptized into Christ, have clothed themselves in Christ, and and we're giving up. And what what um, Paul is saying here is that there's neither Jew nor Greek. So you're giving up. Your identity as a Jew or as a Greek, neither slave nor free. You're giving up your identity as a slave or a free man, male or female. You give up your identity of male or female because now um, we should be seen as Christ.
1: Which is amazing. The ESV uh, talks about this clothed yourselves with Christ mm-hmm. is the term put on. Mm-hmm. And so put on Christ. So now we think back to Jonathan yeah. and how Jonathan did what? He put on the rope. He That's put right. it on David. Yeah. And then David identified with um, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And now we have here that we put on Christ through the process of baptism, faith in yeah. salvation and then baptism. And remember that that baptism is that public profession Mm -hmm. of an inward change. That's right. And that means that we now are professing that we identify with Jesus Christ when we go into the water and we immerse ourselves. We are buried Mm -hmm. with Christ. And then when we are raised up out of the water, we're raised up in newness of life, which is symbolic of what Christ did when he was raised on the cross. And so through baptism, we now change our identity so when we accept jesus as lord and savior we we pray that prayer of repentance and we say lord be lord over my life mm-hmm. and the lord enters our life and the holy spirit brings conviction and it's you no know, now living within us we now identify with christ and then we publicly profess that yeah. through the process of baptism we want to be careful and make it very really clear you are not saved because you are baptized right you
2: uh, are baptized because you are mm-hmm. saved and and it's this this public declaration that shows and tells others who you are now identifying with um, if you've done the um uh, one of the 40-minute studies jesus experiencing his touch they have a great illustration in that book with baptism and it's that term is used in uh in dyeing clothes where uh, the white cloth is placed in the dye and when it comes out it's still the same cloth, but it looks different. Uh, There's something about it that has changed and that is now different. So on the outside, people see that now this cloth has been changed, even though like the molecules didn't change, it didn't become a rabbit, it's still that same cloth, but now now what you can see is how it has been changed by the dye, and so the waters of baptism, we identify with Jesus Christ as we are baptized, and when we come out, we are still the same physically, but we have uh, what we're now identifying is as us, but Christ in us as well.
1: Right. And the Greek, baptizo, um, of that word, we always automatically point to when we're, dis- when we're discussing that word, mm-hmm. it becomes the battle between uh, immersion, That's right. full underwater, or, or the sprinkling of water. Mm-hmm. But this word in the Greek also means to identify with. Yeah. And so that's the main focus, mm-hmm. is that when we're buried uh, in or put under the water and fully immersed and brought up, that's how we're united with that's Christ right. in his death and resurrection. But it's identifying with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 7 talks about that as well. and says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin uh, still live in it? Or do you not know all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the uh, dead through the glory of the Father, so we might too walk in what? Newness of life. Mm -hmm. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that, now wait for it, because this is where we go next. Mm -hmm. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Mm -hmm. So our identity change. The two become one when we didn't have Jesus in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we were an enemy of God Mm -hmm. and we were destined for wrath. But when we took on Jesus, when we put Jesus on, as Galatians says, that when Romans says we died to our old selves, Mm -hmm. we now identify with Jesus Christ. We are now not Jesus, but we are united with Jesus. That's right. And therefore, we are no longer children of wrath, but mm-hmm. sons of God. Yeah. That's a huge identity change.
2: Yeah, it's an, it's an incredible transformation that, that Paul's talking about here. And so that's, that's why there's no such thing as a, a half conversion. That's why you can't just um, go to church and say that, that you're that you're a believer. That's why you can't continue. And as he says, continue to live in sin. He says, shall we continue to sin so that we can continue to experience grace? And he says, no, because when you've identified with Christ, you can no longer be identified as a sinner.
1: Yeah. Look at what Paul's saying here. He's saying that, you know, your old self, when it was crucified, look at what the difference is. is. Mm-hmm. You are no longer a slave to sin right so you have to pause and you have to say to the listeners each and every one of them that's paying attention on the internet in their car wherever Mm -hmm. they are you know are there at any points in your life where you feel like you're still a slave to sin you if you have jesus in your life and you are growing Mm -hmm. in your relationship with christ that your relationship is more than walking an aisle raising a hand yeah or uh, saying a prayer, Mm -hmm. that you literally have allowed the Lord to be ruler over your life, you are no longer a slave Mm -hmm. to sin. So don't think that way. Your identity changes. And so because your identity changes, so should your thought process and Mm -hmm. you should no longer be a slave to sin. The Bible is clear. You are free from the bonds Mm -hmm. of of sin. sin. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin. Just means you're not going to habitually, continually sin. Yeah, There are some mess ups, but we'll get into that in later mm-hmm. weeks. So that's the first and foremost. The old self has to be crucified. We're then identified with Christ. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is a huge passage, so we can't read it all to you. Write it down if you can. Come back to us. Listen to this a second time. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. It does talk about this old self. Mm-hmm. And what does it tell us?
2: Well, <clears throat> it, it says in um, so chapter 4, starting at 17, it says, so, I, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk, also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Um, He goes on to say, uh, this is how they live, but he says, you did not learn Christ in this way. If you have heard him, if you have been taught um, in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed... In the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. And so, there again is this exchange of taking how we were before Christ, uh, where our life was characterized by sin, where we were led by sin, Um, something happens. And what happens is, is that we put off our old self. We take off how we used to be, and we put on our new self, um, which Paul says is in the likeness of God. We, put on a, we become a new person. We put on a new identity that looks like God. And this is
1: the difference. And sometimes uh, in my many years of being a pastor, uh, I had people who always wondered if they were really saved. Mm-hmm. You know, people who wondered if they would ever lose their salvation. Right. People who lived in fear that they were going to have a lightning bolt strike them if they were to to um, do something incorrect. Yeah. And the one thing that I would always bring people back to, and I mean, when I was a pastor, I did not study precept Bible studies. Mm-hmm. I I knew what the inductive Bible study method was because I learned it in Bible college, but I kind of put it away because of all the symbols and the drawing and all that. Now I kind of live by it. right? But the, the thing was what I would tell people is that here's how you truly know you are saved. Mm -hmm. Not that just that your identity changes. You see, we don't look any different. We're still in the same shell. Mm -hmm. So, my body hasn't changed. I still wear the same size shoes, the same size. Well, I don't wear the same size. <laughs> I, you know, you can change your outside look. Yeah. You can change the clothes you wear. Um. You, maybe you don't wear the the heavy metal band T-shirts anymore mm-hmm. because y- you've had Jesus come into your life and you know that probably the eight to ten demons on the front is probably not the right. Yeah. Thing thing to do whatever the case may be but what happens is there's an internal change Mm -hmm. that internal change causes an external change that external change is the deeds you do Mm -hmm. and the actions you take that's right so if you want to know that you're truly saved and that you truly are in the kingdom of god here's one of the ways to look look at what you did in your old self Mm -hmm. Are you still doing the same things you did before Christ that you're doing now? And if you are, and you are enjoying that time, being in the actions of your old self, and yet proclaiming Jesus that you are a new self, Mm -hmm. I have news for you. You are probably not in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. That's a harsh way to put that. But identity change doesn't mean just looks it right. means actions mm-hmm. as well. And that's what we're called to do in the book of Ephesians. We're called to put away all of these things, laying aside falsehood, don't be angry, you know, all of these different behaviors that we need to put off to so prove that we now identify with Christ. Yeah. And
2: I think a lot of times we feel like as long as we do the right things, <clears throat> then, it, then it also means we're saved. But doing the right things comes not from a desire to to look good it comes from a changed heart god will change what it is that you want to do god will change the desires to be more in line with his desires Uh, so don't hear us say that as long as you do the right things then you're saved Um, it works the other way in that when you are saved you are motivated to to do the things that god has called us to do
1: absolutely you're Your deeds are not going to save you. You know, you can't do enough good stuff to ensure that you're going to be in the kingdom of God. You can't have enough people come to your lemonade stand or dropping cupcakes off at your neighbor's house to ensure that you are in the kingdom of God. The Mm -hmm. only way you enter into the kingdom of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. But when you now identify with Christ through death, burial, and resurrection... Man, your actions in your life should so prove it.
2: Yeah, for sure. You
1: should look differently. You should act differently. You should speak differently.
2: <clears throat> People who used to know you should should look at you now and say, there's something different about you. You have changed in, in some way. And, and that is evidence that that you have allowed Jesus to do a work in your life that has changed your heart. And this is the thing. That in, you know, from my own experience, and I don't know if my experience
1: is different than others' but I don't even have the same friends that I had before I was saved. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't even really associate with the same type of people that I associated with before I mm-hmm. was saved. So you can begin to see things in your life that know that they're they're different. I don't even watch the same movies yeah. that I watched before I was saved. Yeah. I actually find them to be quite offensive. Mm-hmm. So I know, that's how I know that God is working in my life and changing. I don't listen to the same music. Yeah. I You know, all these things that are so much different than um, what they were. And so uh, Colossians also told us all about that. And if you're doing the homework with us, you'll find out uh, some of these cross-references are here. But I wanted to point us to um, three commands that come from Colossians uh, chapter one or chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. And that is found in verses uh, 15 to 17. And he says... Um, In Colossians 3, 15 to 17, "...let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." That is an instruction. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Mm -hmm. And let the word of of Christ richly dwell within you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts." Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Three signs of true identity change. Mm -hmm. These are the practices that I'm going to do. Let Christ, uh, the peace of Christ rule in me. Let the word of uh, Christ richly dwell and actually direct me in Mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to uh, make sure my words and my actions line up to that of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, seems pretty simple.
2: Yeah, seems seems simple enough, and that's. But that's what happens when you when you give up control of your own life and you allow Jesus Christ to reign, um, then He is going to lead and guide and direct you in the way that you should go, and all of this is going to fall in line. You're going to find that you used to be angry and now you're peaceful. You're going to find that you <clears throat> that you used to live according to your own set of rules, but now you want to live according to Christ, and that your heart is going to change and your desire is going to be for something better.
1: And this is the thing. If we want to defeat old self, and because we are still in this world, Mm -hmm. uh, Romans talks about how creation groans, you know, until the return of Jesus Christ. Until Christ returns and until Christ is ruling in this earth, we are in a sinful world filled with sinful people. And it's easier to backslide back into sin than it is to press on in perseverance for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So how do we do it? Well, here's one little tip for you. Put on more Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just keep putting on more Jesus. This is not a one-time thing where yeah. you, you walk that aisle, you raise your hand, oh, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. You get into God's Word, and you mm-hmm. study God's Word, and you keep putting on more Jesus. More layers of Jesus clothes. That's right not literally wear jesus shirts (laughs) no i mean you can there's not a problem with that but that's not just all that you've got to do you need to put more christ on and we only do that by immersing ourselves in god's word the more we are in god's word the more we're going to put on christ and as we put more and more christ on guess what gets cast off the old self all the old self all the old things and all all the old behaviors we want to look at one more identity change before we wrap up today. And that I, uh, identity change is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. So we saw that uh, Jonathan made a covenant. So the covenant was um, the two of them becoming one. Mm-hmm. We also saw that um, we identify with Christ. And so what is that other identity change in Philippians? Well, that,
2: the, the final change of identity, identity is... Um, The identity of of Christ himself, that he changed. We see in, um, so Philippians chapter 2, we start at verse 5, it says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We see Jesus in his position as the Prince of Heaven, seated with God, um, and he changes. He allows himself to receive um, a new identity, and he becomes man. He, it says that he humbles himself to the form, or empties himself to the form of a bondservant. He h- found in appearance of a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death. And in this uh, obedience, God exalts him uh, highly above uh, every other name.
1: Isn't it, this is what blew my mind the first time we went through this. Mm-hmm. The two become one. Yeah. Jesus Uh, We identified with him, but then he identified with us by taking on flesh. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of suffering of death, crowned him with glory so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And then down in verse 14 of chapter 2 in Hebrews. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood... He himself, likewise, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to the angels, but he gives helps to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become the merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For, see, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So what do we learn here? First of all, we learn that to become one, we identify with Jesus because of the death and resurrection and his um, burial. And when we identify through baptism, we recognize that on the cross Jesus died to sin. And now because he died to sin and we are in him, we are freed to sin. Mm-hmm. But Hebrews tells us why he had to die. Because the devil ruled over and he had the power over sin and he had to die to free us. Mm-hmm. And the only way he could do that was become flesh mm-hmm. to die for us. He yes. took on man's identity to become the faithful, merciful, high
2: priest. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? It, it truly is an, in, an incredible uh, picture that we see. <clears throat> and it's not just a picture because it actually happened. Uh, you know, it's it's Jesus, it's God seeing what is necessary in order to bring us freedom from sin, freedom from the slavery of sin and the fear of death. Uh, he sends his son, he becomes man uh, in order to uh, to solidify this, this redemption, redemptive plan, so that we can spend eternity with him.
1: And he, in verse 18, it reminds us that as Jesus lived on this earth, how did he identify with us? He too was tempted mm-hmm. by the devil while living on this earth. Yeah. The difference between the two is he did not fall. Yeah. He lived a righteous life. And He, if he did not live that righteous life on earth, he would have not been the great sacrifice Mm -hmm. that was needed. It's all about identity change. I cannot uh, wait to get into the next week and look at uh, some more details of this. But for this week, remember, two become one. And so we must identify and look like Jesus in our lives. Mm -hmm. So my question to you as you're listening is, how are you doing with that? How does your life reflect the glory of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ Uh, Today, Let's pray. God, we do thank you again for this time that we've got together, all the example from Jonathan and David and this covenant that was made between the two of them. Lord, that it can come together and show us that as two become one, so we did too when we identified with you through death, burial, and resurrection, that we now have your spirit living within us, that we have the privilege of being called the sons of God that we now identify with you more than we identify with the world. Help us to live in a way that shows we are uh, living for you, that our lives do not reflect our old self, but reflect our new self. Thank you again. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at eight seven seven two three four two zero three zero.